Welcome to Talking Giants Player Profiles and Projections. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And it's the second to last one, which means we are going to talk about one, Saquon Barkley. He's a six foot, 232-pound, 26-year-old running back who was drafted second overall. A long contract battle ended, uh, Justin, with no deal. Had the franchise tag put on him. Saquon Barkley took a contract that is a $10.1 million with with incentives to get it up to $11 million. The incentives, Justin, 1,350 yards rushing and the playoffs. He didn't get that last year. 11 touchdowns and the playoffs. He didn't get that last year. 65 catches and the playoffs. He didn't uh, get that. And there was no clause saying he couldn't be franchise tag again. Justin, we're going to get into who he is as a player, what he does, how the best ways to use him. He truly is a team player, despite every, all the conversation around Saquon Barkley, that he's just like, I, I can't miss camp. Like, he, he had every right to miss camp, and he's, he told him, like, he's, he couldn't. He couldn't do it, where he took a deal that made no sense for him to take to be here with the New York Giants, and there's been not a, 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 a second of a grumbling of any discontent. You almost forget that it happened through <laughs> through through this camp, right? When we left J- J- Justin, when we left uh, Detroit, I put together my big thoughts on training camp, and one of them was like, "It's still insane that Saquon did not miss a single practice, or let alone report day." Yeah, it almost you know now even just thinking about it now, it almost it almost feels like it didn't happen. It was such a big storyline from the second that the Giants put that franchise tag on him to you know that july whatever deadline and then it just became a non-story and it's like all right well saquon barkley's back here we go we're gonna rock and roll and even thinking back to this time last year bobby in 2022 we weren't sure if saquon barkley was going to be back there were there were a lot of questions on the future of saquon barkley on the questions of daniel jones but i would honestly say maybe a little bit more with saquon barkley just because of the position that he inevitably plays but man, I was glad to see that he was back last year because after a really rough 2021, Saquon Barkley was back. And I would say that Saquon Barkley's performance in 2022, even though he's not breaking tackles like he did in 2018 and 2019, we'll talk about that, even though he's not getting as much yards after contact as he was earlier in his career, I think we finally saw the best version of Saquon Barkley as a running back. A, that a guy that's able to get four or five yards on a consistent basis while still having the explosive runs that we really liked about 2018 and 2019. We saw him strike that balance while also being used more than any other running back at the NFL, and it really wasn't even close. Yeah, and we can talk. There's a lot of context to talk about numbers, and we're going to do that. Uh, he had 16 games last year. He had 295 carries, 1,312 yards, 10 touchdowns, and 4.4 yards for Gary. Missed all of 2020, and then 2021 was just was just a bad running back coming off of the ACL. So it's like it's like you don't even look at those two seasons as like evaluating him as a player. But Justin, he had 4.4 yards per carry compared to 5.0 and 4.6 in his first two seasons in the NFL. He had the fourth most carries and also the fourth most yards. His efficiency wasn't star level efficiency at 4.4. And even in the receiving, it was a career low uh, uh, because it faded down the stretch. But it was amazing with a lot of volume in the first seven games, Justin. And this can get into how he's used and and stuff. But I I want this to be the clip for the player profile projection. Sure. In games one through seven, Justin, he averaged 20 carries a game. That's a lot. 
He was averaging over five yards per carry in those seven games, over 700 yards. In games eight through 13, 18 carries a game. So basically the same as that first seven games you throw in an Eagles game when they basically took him out at halftime. Dropped down to 3.3 yards per carry. Where like Daniel Jones was out rushing him in that stretch. It was really, really bad. But they were continuing to force it, Justin. That came at the same time where Seattle kind of figured out what the Giants do. They threw a lot of run blitzes at them. And they were just like, hey, make sure you get back on their play action. Don't fall for, like, don't bite on their play action on, on non-passing, on, on, pa- on, uh, on passing downs. And then they significantly lowered his usage in the run game significantly and they changed the offense into a drop back passing offense in that second game versus commanders justin so in those five games games 14 through the playoffs went down from 20 and then 18 to 12 carries a game but it was the most efficient he was all year 5.5 yards per carry through those five games so here is the thing with saquon barkley he did very well as a workhorse back but he will be, to me, a more effective player as a playmaker and not a workhorse back. Can I tell you something that's crazy? And we talked about this in the season as well. In games number one through four, this is for his entire career, by the way. In games one through four, Saquon Barkley has averaged 4.76 yards per attempt. Games five through eight, 4.16 yards per attempt. Games nine through 12, 3.91 yards per attempt. In games 13 plus, 4.86 yards per attempt, the high, the, the highest out of any game span um, out of all those games uh, in his career. So, yeah, I mean, the trends of last year match the trends of his entire career, and it's crazy that this is Saquon Barkley's third coaching staff, and it seems to be like the same thing. Yeah, and hey, listen, he was dealing with a shoulder injury, but also it was the way teams were playing the Giants, where it wasn't like all out selling for the run, but it was just like they were throwing a lot of different run fits at the Giants. And were not biting on their play action as much, right? There was like, they, I mean, the Giants were play actioning on like second and 13 and stuff. And they got by with that the first seven games, but then they stopped. Um, it stopped teams, teams kind of figured it out. Yeah, for sure. Um, Saquon Barkley led the NFL in touch in total touches last year at 352. He led all running backs in snaps at 826. Uh, and he had a snap share of 80.5%. And he led all, like I said, led the NFL in total touches and led all running backs and snaps despite not playing the final game of the season. Um, so that's crazy how much he played. Um, he was back to being an explosive running back, which is really cool. Um, his 20-plus yard um, explosive run rate uh, it last year was 3%. Uh, that was the third lowest of his career, but in 2021 it was one8 2019, 3.6, 2018-6.1, which is insane. 2018 was insane. But what was really high and what was nice is the runs of 10-plus yards. Um, 10.8% last year. He had 32 runs of 10-plus yards last year, whereas 2019, it was 12.4, 2018, 11.8. So the runs of 10-plus yards is where Saquon Barkley was closest to the 2019 and 2018 self, and that does leave a, leave a little bit of room for argument of, hey, maybe Saquon Barkley isn't as explosive to get the 20-plus yard runs uh, as he was in 2018 and 2019, which I think that's valid. It is valid. I mean, Justin, there's just – go back and watch 2018-2019 Saquon Barkley, even like with the ankle injury that that second year. And it was just consistently amazing, like just like best running back shit we've ever seen in our lives. 
Like it was it was unreal to watch on a week in week out basis. Even the despite the fact that you know the the team sucked, it was like this guy is doing special things on a week in week out basis. Where this past season he's been a really good back, but he wasn't doing the special special types of things for most of the season outside of the beginning. You know he's still is amazing and ability to you know cut and break tackles and stuff, but it just was not at that. Like he had set a, he had set a standard that's almost unreachable those first two seasons, yeah. And it's he wasn't up to that the last year. But again, like you mentioned, he was probably the best at like just playing running back where he wasn't bouncing. Like that was a thing. Like no matter how much Saquon wanted to push against it, there was an issue for him. He did dance behind the line of scrimmage where this past year he didn't do that. He hit the holes. He did what like there was very little times, very few times watching film. Where it's like, yeah, he made the wrong read on that. Yep. Yeah, he shouldn't have bounced that. Like he he did his job doing that stuff. Which is why I love why he's getting those ten plus yard runs at a at a consistent rate. And that is still the thing that is matching and mirroring what he did in 2018, 2019. Because in 2018, it was only the threat of Saquon Barkley's legs. Eli Manning did not bring that. Daniel Jones, especially in this Brian Dable offense, he does bring that. Um, so Giants to end the season tied for the fourth most runs of 10 plus yards in the NFL from weeks one to from weeks one to 17. Saquon Barkley had the sixth most runs of 10 plus yards with 32. Daniel Jones had the 12th most runs of 10 plus yards with 27. And there was no QB and running back combo that combined for more 10 plus yard runs than DJ and Saquon. And I do think even as Saquon may be and I put lose a step in quotes because I'm not acting like he's slow and he's like Zeke. Right. But even as Saquon is not matching the 2018 2019 athletic freak performances i think having daniel jones as a threat back there does help and will help saquon barkley stay efficient and remain efficient do you agree absolutely um and that's why i i truly think and obviously the giants didn't have much receiving help last year but i do think putting less volume on saquon barkley's plate is going to allow saquon barkley to be the best version of himself because you look at it last year like this is where i talk about like he didn't have star level efficiency because out of out of backs with 200 carries which i think was 21 guys and yards per carry he was 13th and yards after contact per attempt he was 16th and total missed tackles forced he was 14th so like those aren't like you don't that's i mean they weren't even top 10 in those rates and again that's not like including these backs who have 50 carries minimum of 200 carries that's a lot of carries in a season for a back you and you see it like you watch the vikings playoff game Guy got nine carries. He was just as effective in that game as he was in games where he had 20 carries, right? Like, just as effective as he was versus the Jacksonville Jaguars when he had 20 carries. He was, if not more effective in that, in that playoff game versus the Vikings on nine carries. And we'll talk about in the receiving game in a second, too. That's a way to allow him to be a playmaker. And that's what that, and that was a big part of it, too, Justin, is when they reduced the carries, they increased his receiving volume. Not as down the field or anything, but just throwing throwing him swing passes. Yep. Like making your t- turning him into the flat on a stick concept instead of having your tight end, uh, you know, running the flat or your backup tight end or whoever, letting him do that, and it allowed for the the other guy, you know, receivers to make some plays underneath, and then him to just you know catch the ball and make a guy miss. Like think of the second Commanders game on Sunday Night Football. How just juke the guy out of his shoes. Yeah, did that like did that a few times, beat them to the sideline, and that allows him to be yeah. his best because, you know, he's he's not Derrick Henry, right? Where it's like giving the ball twenty times up the gut type of player. Like he's he's more of a weapon than than like a volume workhorse back. 
if it means getting Saquon Barkley into space, I'm a fan of it. And I don't I don't think we should and I know Saquon Barkley's in a contract negotiations and he's still gonna be battling it and there's the Christian McCaffrey comps, and the, but the Giants think of him more like Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry and not like the Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara types. But I, I don't think as Giants fans we should be battling those battles because if it, who cares if Saquon Barkley is a great route runner or if he's catching the ball in the flats? Because if it means getting Saquon Barkley in space with the ball in his hands, I'm a fan of it. And last year, in 2022, it was the first time in Saquon Barkley's career where he had an average depth of target that was in the negatives. Uh, and that, you know, that tells me that he's a he's a checkdown option. And I'm fine with that. I am a huge fan, especially on early downs, of utilizing the quick passing game as almost an extension of the running game. And Saquon Barkley is a huge part of that. Yeah, let's dive into the receiving game because it's it's a good conversation and people don't like to they like to say People will say, oh, he's a horrible route runner, not a good receiving back McCaffrey. And then the other side will be like, no, they'll show a few plays here and there. And like, oh, he's an amazing receiving threat. So last year he had 57 catches, a lot, but only 338 yards, 5.9 yards per catch, which compared to his first two seasons was two yards and two and a half yards less per catch. That's a huge, huge difference. And he only he only averaged 21 receiving yards per game, which think about how bad Saquon Barkley was in 2021. That's only that's a difference of less than a yard. He averaged twenty point four the year before. His route running isn't very good, but he is a good receiving weapon, and that's a distinction to make with Saquon Barkley. Like here's where Saquon Barkley shouldn't be used, and this is where the Giants tried to use him early, and it didn't work. And you think about the te- Tennessee Titans interception. I remember going back into camp and seeing this and pointing this out in the red zone. Because he's not a great route runner. In the red zone, that stuff is all about timing. It's not about, it's not about being a mismatch. It's about timing. It's about perfect route running. And him as a running back is just not that. That's not what he is. And there's very few backs who are. It's basically McCaffrey and Kamara and then some other guys who aren't going to get the running back workload that Saquon Barkley is. Where they yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to act like saying Saquon Barkley, saying Saquon Barkley isn't good, isn't a, isn't the best route runner is a bad thing. It's not it's not like a bad thing. But he's a receiving weapon still. That doesn't mean yes. he's not a receiving weapon. Like so one, you can use him in the quick game and the checkdowns and the swing passes, which the Giants did. That's how they evaluated their roster and that's what they did towards the end of the year. But there's also more that they didn't do that they can add. And this has to do with stuff that's really not in Saquon Barkley's control. And it has to do with the protection up front. Because Saquon has had to stay in as a blocker. Where in 2018 and 2019, sometimes to a fault, Pat Shermer did not really use him in that role a ton. And that's when we saw him create plays down the field, seams, angles, different types of routes where his speed can really thrive. But you put him on a stick concept in the red zone, his speed is not going to thrive where that's all about route running. And that's not what Saquon Barkley practices every day. But you can, like I said, use him down the field. Don't have to line up a wide out of the backfield. So there's a lot of routes that are a little longer to develop that if protection holds up, we can use see Saquon Barkley used in that type of stuff. But when you had Evan Neal at right tackle last year and Nate Solder the year before and Cam Fleming, the year, uh, he didn't play that year. But you get my point is that he had to stay in to block a lot, which, by the way, he's gotten a lot better at, too, and people need to stop saying he's a bad blocker. He's a pretty damn good blocker now. Yeah, so for sure. there's ways to use Saquon. It's like use him in the quick game and use him down the field. 
you know, you can line him up out wide and have him work a double move or something like he did versus the Chargers in 2021 or the Saints, you know, touchdown he had in 2021 or, you know, line, run him out, run four verse where he's the seam like they did versus the, uh, uh, Washington in 2019. But don't use him as in plays that this, that are, that need really crisp route running because he's not going to do that. His hands also make me a little nervous too. He has six drops the last two years. So, um, e- each of the last two years. So, um, yeah, but again, I, I don't want to, I don't want to villainize Saquon Barkley for not being the best route runner because, like you said, he still is a weapon out of the receiving, he's still a weapon out of the backfield. And I mean, even I think of one of the biggest plays of the season, especially early on, was think of the London game where Saquon Barkley goes on like a, a drag slash crossing route and he's, and he's wide open over the middle of the field, and that's a huge, like, 40-yard play when the Giants needed big explosive passing plays all, all last season. So that was a huge Easy. play. Easy. And, that, hey, if any other player is in that spot for that route, that's a 20-yard gain. But Saquon turns it into a 40-yard gain because when he gets that one-on-one in the open field, he breaks that dude down and adds another 20 yards to it. So that's the type of stuff where Saquon Barkley can be a real receiving threat. Uh, any, any, do you have anything else on Saquon? I mean, do we want to project a little bit? Like, what are we, like, what are we thinking? We were really wrong last year because we thought that this team was going to throw the ball a lot more and we were extremely wrong. They ran no, it we, a lot. We, no, we changed it to run the, remember, run the damn ball. We had t-shirts made up for it. Did you listen to the PPP last year? No, I didn't. Okay. Or so I guess maybe we changed, we ch- maybe we changed in camp. I, I'm in. I actually, it's a shame. I I should have gone back and listened to the Saquon PPP. But uh, how what projection? Not even like numbers. But what are we projecting for Saquon Barkley? Is is he in a Giants uniform in 2024? Yeah, I don't want to do the numbers thing with Saquon because it's like it's so it's unpredictable. Like, how, how many like he's gonna he's gonna have good numbers unless he gets injured. That's just a fact. Is he a Giant in 2024? Out of all the player profile episodes we've done and asked this question on, I really think it's the toughest one because he wants to be. But I really do think, and I've said it before, tagging is the him again is the best option on paper. But to me, it is it's just too, really dirty to do that. To where I would give him a real offer. Not what he was looking for in this last offseason. But give him a real, you know, the 11 to $12 million a year. And re- of real money, you know, two years guaranteed. If he does no in- injuries or anything. Yeah, I was year. about to say, because a lot of it just depend on him staying healthy. And be like, you can, if you want to take it, take it. If you want to go out the free agency, go out the free agency. Because I, I just, I know, this is the human element coming with me. And I'm not even the one having to make the decision. And franchise tagging him twice in a row after what he did to show up to camp. And he didn't do it like he, that was a favor. That's essentially a favor for the Giants because oh, yeah. we would be talking up, up to like we would have done a podcast two days ago talking about Saquon Barkley's back. And every would have been have Saquon, Saquon. It would have been nonstop. It would have been a pain in the ass. I don't think it's a pain in the ass that wasn't worth franchise tagging, but it would have been a pain in the ass. And he stopped that from happening to doing it to him again. I think it's just really dirty, and I I, just, I wouldn't have the stomach to do it, and that's why I'm not a GM, I guess. But I just wouldn't have the stomach to do it to him again. I would give him an offer that I the the best offer that I wanted to give Saquon Barkley, I would give to him, and if he didn't take it, I'd be like go test free agency, man, and and we'll keep it out on the table for you. I think he's back because he wants to be back. 
I think if he held out this camp and he didn't do what he did for the Giants, I think he, I would say, you know what? There's a shot. There's a little bit of a strain there that he's not back. But the fact that he went above and beyond, like you said, above and beyond for this organization and for this team and for John Mara, I do think he is back in 2024, even if it's another one-year deal. And and they do the same same thing that they just did now. Even if it's a one-year deal and it's a, and it's more than the franchise tag, I I think he's back. All right. I, I think he's back too, but I just don't know how. Right. I don't know the way that it's going to happen. Right. Because he, does, he truly does want to be a giant for life. A lot of people say it. Like Saquon's kind of lived it. Um, why don't you talk to us about something before we talk about Nacho? I'll talk to you about something. And also, like, kind of even think about it like this, too, where Saquon, Saquon did change the running back market by taking the deal that he took, because then I, I kind of felt like it forced Dalvin Cook to show up. Uh, you know, I, I think it will be him and Saquon and Tony Pollard, because I think Tony Pollard's going to have a great year with Dallas. Um, hope not week one. He's going to have a terrible game week one. But Tony Pollard's going to have a great year with Dallas. I think it will be him and him and uh, Saquon Barkley that will really kind of possibly decide the fate of the fate of the running backs. Uh, so uh, wear wear that on your sleeve, Saquon Barkley, and carry that weight. Today's show is brought to you by Manscaped. Public service announcement: If you didn't already know, Manscaped they now sell beer products. The handyman, you see it right here. I'm holding it in front of my face, and if you're listening on audio, that's tough because the handyman. It looks great. It's compact. It's small. I can easily hold it in my hand, too. Like, I'm holding the box easy in my hand, and I guarantee you, something that usually comes in a box, the product is usually smaller inside, and it does a great job. An electric face shaver for a quick and convenient way to achieve a clean, shaven look. Whether you're looking to sharpen up your neckline, I need to do that, or give your face that smooth finish, the handyman has you covered. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code GIANTS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use code Giants, hit the refresh button with Manscaped. Bobby Skinner, you'll be glad you did. Saquon Barkley, it took him about three years, four years to actually fully grow. You know how there was a space in between his, uh, his like, like at the bottom yeah, of his chin, there was a space, the patch. Um, he finally grew it in. So if he ever wants to tidy it up, he uses the handyman. Thank you to Manscaped. You'll be glad you did. All right, now let's do the shortest player profile of the season. Huh. Rakeem Nunes Rocha, six foot two, three hundred seven pound, thirty years old, defensive tackle, signed a three-year, twelve million dollar deal with seven point four million dollars guaranteed. Had thirty-three tackles and five tackles for a loss last year for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Justin, he's an athletic run defender who fires into the chest offensive lineman, and as he understands his role, and that is a run defending defensive tackle. Yeah, for sure. This guy with a high motor, he plays the whistle. Uh, the best news about Nacho is he will not be as much of a liability against the run as Justin Ellis and Danny Shelton is. And oh boy, I certainly the hope. Pass. Um, it, what was that? The li- he won't be a, the liability against the pass. No, against the run, he won't be a liability against the run. Oh, as yeah, much he's good of a liability. The run. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like that. That's the hope um, that he won't be as much as those guys because, uh, you know, uh, we'll we'll talk about this when Dexter Lawrence is off the field. Uh, the Giants' defense averaged uh, 6.86 yards per carry allowed when Leonard Williams was off the field. Um, the Giants' defense averaged 5.47 yards per carry allowed. And when Nacho was on the field, odds are it's going to be on first and second down. 56.5% of Tampa Bay's first downs, Nacho was on the field. 53.7% of Tampa's second down snaps, Nacho was on the field. So when Nacho's going to be on the field, his main responsibility is 
try and make sure that the team doesn't average five, six yards per carry. That's your yeah, main he's responsibility. A, he is a first and second down player only. Like, there's just very little pass rush success with not much hand moves. And, like, like even in the run game, he doesn't have these quick initial wins. You know, he's kind of got average get-off, and he just doesn't have, like, these hand moves that he works. Like, he knows what his role is. Like, you know, plug, you know, plug up gaps, two gap. Um, so he just doesn't bring you much as a pass rusher, but he, like, again, he is a run defender who knows that he's a run defender. He had 20 run stops last year, which would have been third on the team last year for the Giants, uh, after Dex and Jalen Smith. Um, and I know you say Jalen, people cringe when they say Jalen Smith, but he was the starting linebacker. So he's going to be up there on the team. And like you said, that was as a rotational player for Tampa Bay. Um, He's just like I said, he fires into the chest of offensive linemen and he just he like he steers blocks, right? Like there's a play versus Lamar where they're doing this read option, and with Lamar, Lamar holds that thing in there and he holds it and he holds it and then he'll pull it. And he just gets on that offensive lineman from the Raven. I think it was Ben Powers, and he's just steering him. Where Lamar's like, you know, jumping one way, he steers him the one way. Yeah, Lamar jumps the other way. He steers in there. So, and he's also just got a very good eye for gap runs to be able to jump gaps and shed blocks to, you know, like the, the, the gap runs when teams are pulling at you, what they're trying to do is create like angles and and create new gaps and bad teams against that aren't able to jump into those gaps. Like you kind of got to move, change your responsibility and Nacho's got a good eye for that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I have a note, a little little film note, I guess. He's going to cause chaos when linemen are asked to do, like, when linemen are asked to reach block on him. And I'm also really happy with this signing because, or I was happy with this signing at the time because this is one that national media people uh, hyped up as an underrated one where, you know, sometimes that didn't happen. Like, this is a guy that is his, he's signed for a lot more years than than you would think. But, uh, you know, a small, a smaller signing that maybe, some national people wouldn't hype up and maybe local fans would, but I feel like some na- from the reaction, I feel like some national people maybe hyped it more up than uh, Giants fans did, which is, uh, I guess, a kind of cool thing. He was the first player signed of uh, free agency this year. He was. The Giants, he so. was the first player that I on my on my free agency notes from this past year. Yep. All right, Justin, anything else? Um, he has some spunk in his personality, which this regime takes uh, – Seems to take into account. He's a big, he's a vibes guy. He's a locker room guy. Uh, joining the likes of Jihad Ward, Sterling Shepard, and Nacho. Like, probably maybe uh, three of the biggest personalities on the team. Welcome, Nacho. Welcome, Nacho. All right, we appreciate you guys. Tomorrow, one more. The Daniel Jones player profile and projection. We'll see you then. Until then, let's go Big Blue. <laughs>